Welcome to the MILF Bod Podcast. Mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, fitness. An all-encompassing wellness resource for women featuring some of the most successful, influential mothers and experts out there. I'm your host, Cherokee Luker, mother, model, fitness trainer, and wellness enthusiast. Join me as we dive into all things MILF. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the MILF Bod Podcast. My name is Cherokee Luker, and I will be your host for all future episodes to come. So first off, I just want to say thank you all for joining me. This has been something I've been wanting to do for so long, and I am beyond excited to be here talking about all things mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, and fitness. So if you weren't aware, that's what this version of MILF stands for. In this case, the acronym is Mindful Intuitive Lifestyle Fitness. And while I will be interviewing lots and lots of MILFs and do consider myself one as well, this is a wellness podcast with an emphasis in motherhood. So before anyone gets offended or triggered, y'all can chill because we're here to talk about all things wellness. So yeah, just wanted to clear that up first and foremost. And then I also wanted to take this episode to introduce myself and fill you guys in on my backstory, my fitness slash wellness journey, my pregnancy, and then of course my birth story. So where do I start? I mean, I guess I'll start from the beginning. My love for health, wellness, and fitness was born a little over 10 years ago when I got into the modeling industry. And I know there's a lot of stigmatism and stereotypes around the modeling industry in general when it comes to unhealthy diet culture, excessive exercising, et cetera, et cetera. But I am lucky enough to say that I never developed a toxic or unhealthy relationship to any of that, which I am super thankful for because I think it's honestly kind of rare for that to be the case with a lot of models, which is sad, but it's the harshness of the reality of it sometimes. And all I want to say is that thank God that the industry is evolving into a much healthier, more inclusive and accepting space because back when I started, the climate was very different. And this was before Instagram weighed as such a heavy factor in the industry, you know, before curvier body types were more accepted and your typical model was 5'9 or taller. So 2013 is when I started modeling, but I think 2015 is when I really dove in and started to take things more seriously. And this is back when the Victoria's Secret models were considered like absolute gods. I mean, I still consider them the most beautiful, amazing creatures to walk this earth. And it does not come easy. Like they work hard for that shit. And of course, genetics plays a role as well, but During this time, it was basically every model's dream to get to walk in the Victoria's Secret fashion show. And during the time that the VS models were so highly idolized, I think is really the only time in my career that I can say that my relationship to dieting and working out got a little unhealthy. 
It didn't get too extreme, but I was stressing myself out about, you know, trying to get my measurements down to these certain numbers that were considered, quote unquote, the standard of beauty at the time. And it became a little excessive, but it never got to the point of disordered eating or anything like that. So I'm very lucky and thankful because for the most part, I've always had a very healthy relationship when it comes to food and working out. So my interest sparked, of course, when I got more involved in the industry. And I had to, of course, start taking care of my body from not only the outside, but the inside as well, because I wanted to look my best. I wanted to feel my best. And that's when I started diving in and becoming super passionate about wellness as a whole. You know, I try different types of workouts. I do tons of research on nutrition, food, and the best way to fuel and nourish my body. And I also think that early on in my career, I had the realization that Yes, while I can sit here and admire the Victoria's Secret models, I just will never have that body type. You know, I was born curvier and I have wider hips and more of an athletic build. And I realized early on that I can't try and put myself into that category of model. And I couldn't try and fit myself into this certain box that I knew would never be sustainable for me. So this is kind of where the intuitive aspect of MILF body comes in because I started to realize that while I'll never be a size zero, there is still room for girls like me in the industry. So I just started to embrace that more and I started listening to my own body of what kind of workouts I was responding best to and felt best doing and then what foods gave me the most energy. So that's kind of the intuitive aspect of where my wellness journey began. And of course, now that I'm a mom, you know, they say a mother's intuition knows best. And I just find that to be so true because now more than ever, it has become so incorporated into my daily life of just listening to my body, whether that means responding to a craving or taking a rest day or going extra hard while working out and just really tapping into my own bio-individuality. Because over the past 10 plus years, I've just learned my body so well that I know exactly what works for me. And I think that's a big reason why I wanted to start a podcast because no one is the same. So it's nice to get a perspective from all walks of life, you know, all different stages of life, different lifestyle factors, different careers in dealing with different things emotionally, mentally, and physically. So yeah, I just wanted to give you guys more of a broad spectrum of information because while I consider myself a longtime practitioner of all of these things, and while, yeah, some people may want to know my tips and tricks, but I'm just such a firm believer in discovering what works best for you as an individual. And it is a lot of trial and error, and it's a lot of listening to your body and tapping into yourself and being introspective and intuitive. So, That's what I'm here to encourage you all to do and start practicing more of because it has literally changed my life and more so now than ever being a mom. It's just wild how much of a transition mentally it has made for me and physically. I think since being a mom, my priorities have just completely shifted and it's like my number one priority is my son now. It's no longer obsessing about what I look like constantly and comparing myself to others and thinking about what my next meal will be or when I'm going to work out next. It's just kind of been 
I don't know. I don't want to say put on the back burner, but my mentality now is it'll happen when it happens. When I have time to work out, I will. And of course, I make it a priority, but it no longer has this hold on me. And it's just been such a huge mental shift to not feel the pressure of having to be so regimented all the time and to just be able to sit with myself and my baby and listen to what my body needs and give it what it needs when it needs it. Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent there, but that just kind of touches base on the whole intuitive aspect of the concept of this podcast. So to continue my story, I moved to LA in 2018 and my modeling career was starting to excel. I was getting my feet wet in the industry and I started booking regular clients and making great contacts and all of the things. And as much as I loved it, it was also such a scary feeling of how inconsistent work was. Like sometimes I would go months without even working or going to a casting. And then there would be other times where I would be working every single day. I was just craving some sort of stability in my life and I wanted to feel financially stable. So I was trying to figure out what else can I do as a side hustle to supplement when I wasn't working. So I decided to get my personal training certification because I was super passionate about it and figured I was doing it every day. So why not help others while I was at it? So once I got certified, I started training clients and it was going great. I loved it so much. And then a lot of my clients started inquiring about wellness coaching. So more of like the nutritional lifestyle dietary side of things. And as much knowledge as I felt I had in those areas and as qualified as I felt I was to help in these areas, I wasn't technically certified. So I would always offer that up as a disclaimer to all my clients before we started working on that side of things. So then I started wellness coaching on top of personal training, and I actually ended up liking that more than the physical training, which I wasn't expecting. But I think it has something to do with the fact that I was able to connect with my clients on a deeper level. You know, I was learning about intimate details of their daily lives and daily routines, their eating habits, their sleeping patterns, emotional factors, stressors, all of the things. And it kind of just felt more rewarding to me in that way. So I started leaning more into the wellness aspect of things. And as much as I love physically training people, I think that's kind of more where my heart lies. And I think that's also another contributing factor as to why I wanted to start a podcast just because I love the idea of getting to connect with people on a deeper level than it just being physical. So that leads me to, hmm, let's see. So yeah, then I got pregnant in August 2020 during the pandemic as many women got pregnant during this time because I mean, let's be honest, there wasn't much else to do while being cooped up at home, if you know what I mean. But Yeah, honestly, it was very unplanned, very unexpected. And I took like three pregnancy tests and did not want to believe it. I was just like, no fucking way. This is not true. I just felt like I wasn't ready, honestly. My life at the time was in full swing, despite it being the pandemic. But there was just so much momentum building. 
I had just gotten my personal training certification and had become so passionate about wellness coaching and I was modeling still and just all in all did not feel mentally, financially or personally ready to bring another human into the world. I was 27 at the time when I found out and felt like I just had so much more work to do on myself before becoming a mother. I always pictured myself having my first baby at like 30 at least, but I guess like all the best things in life, they always hit you when you're least expecting it and sometimes it's just what you needed and didn't know. That is most definitely the case when it comes to Hunter now, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So when I found out the news, I was extremely resistant and scared. And it's funny because while I've always considered myself a very maternal and empathetic and kind and loving woman, you know, all the qualities a mother should possess, I was just never the type to be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get married and have kids and blah, 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 blah. I've been somewhat unconventional my whole life and just never really gravitated towards kids. Like not in a bad way, but it was never really my thing. Um, I always loved animals and I've always been the best dog mom. So I knew someday it would translate into being a great mom to an actual human, but man, I did not feel ready. And I think that's normal for a lot of women to feel completely terrified to start an entirely new chapter of your life. So there I was during the pandemic, pregnant and mad about it. But honestly, I had the easiest pregnancy. I was so lucky that I didn't get any morning sickness. I stayed super active the entire time. And looking back on it, it couldn't have been a better time to have gotten pregnant. But at the time, I was extremely resistant, like I said, and I want to say I stayed in that mindset for the entirety of my first trimester and about half of my second trimester. And I think when things shifted for me was when I got my 3D ultrasound because, I don't know, I was just able to see in such detail my baby inside me. Like the technology nowadays is fucking crazy. It just blows my mind. You know, I could see him moving around in there and he was smiling and yawning. And that's when it all just hit me. I became so overwhelmed with emotion and basically bawled my eyes out the entire time. And I just remember looking over at the technician and she was just like, yo, are you okay? (laughs) I was just a pregnant mess, but it was a super special, transformative, and just pivotal moment in my life because it all just became so real. And then things really started to shift for me. So rather than holding on to that resistance and resentment towards getting pregnant in the first place, I decided to lean into it and embrace it because Honestly, what other choice did I have? It's either you can sit there and be miserable and think about all the things you could have done or you can embrace it and just be in absolute awe of the fact that we as women are able to carry life and it all just became such a beautiful experience from there. So I had come up with the concept MILF body while I was pregnant and originally I wanted to turn it into a wellness program geared towards postpartum women. And I started brainstorming, but was just so stuck on how I wanted to deliver all of the information that was inside my brain. And then one day I was just listening to a podcast, as I always do, because to be quite honest, 
podcasts are my favorite way to consume information. I just love it so much because you can passively multitask while absorbing all of this great info, whether it be self-help to wellness to just pure entertainment. So I just figured what better way to channel my passion of wanting to help people by starting a community of sharing insight from all different types of women and experts out there than to start a podcast because you know like time is of the essence when you're a mom so it's nice to be able to passively multitask and just be able to throw on a podcast when you're taking your baby for a walk or even cleaning the house or giving them a bath so I just wanted to give you guys access to not only me but so many other amazing people out there, which I guess kind of leads me to my next topic, my doulas, my midwife, and my birth story. So for quite a while, I kind of avoided the subject of figuring out my birth plan because to be quite honest, I was just absolutely terrified to give birth. So I would just go into my regular scheduled checkups and avoid the topic at all costs, just assuming I'd do a normal hospital birth. And it wasn't until I had a conversation with one of my friends, Hope Smith, who encouraged me to explore alternative routes such as home birth and getting a doula because her experience with it had been amazing. She also recommended that I read the book Guide to Childbirth by Ina Mae Gaskin. So after speaking with Hope, I ordered the book and I just started doing my research on doulas and the benefits of them. I wasn't quite convinced yet to take the home birth route, but I was kind of toying with the idea in my head after listening to Hope's experience. So at first, I decided I wanted to have a hospital birth with a doula present. I just felt like it would kind of marry the idea of giving birth in a more natural and ideal environment and emotional setting rather than being in such a cold, sterile hospital room. I figured, you know, if I had a doula there, she'd be able to create a much more sacred space by setting the ambiance I wanted by like lighting candles or playing music. And then she would also be there to help me with communicating my needs to the doctors. That was my original plan. Also, quick side note for those of you who don't know what a doula is, a doula is essentially a birth coach. So she's there during pregnancy to go over any questions you may have during your prenatal visits, and she provides you with helpful tips and exercises that you can do to prepare for birth and to just kind of get you mentally and emotionally ready to give birth. And then during birth, she's there to provide emotional and physical support just by creating an atmosphere you feel most comfortable in and essentially just holding your hand the entire way through the birth process. I was so blessed to have come across my amazing doulas, Carson and Rebecca, who were working as a team at the time I had hired Carson. And she introduced me to Rebecca, who ended up taking over when I actually gave birth. An absolute godsend of a human, by the way, Rebecca. She's just the type of person who walks into the room and instantly lights it up. You're gravitated towards her and you just feel like you've known her your entire life after being with her for just five minutes. And that was the perfect type of person person you want as a doula because she just made me feel so warm and so comfortable and to put the cherry on top of it all she lived and still does live a three-minute walk away from me so it just couldn't have been more meant to be 
So during my prenatal visits with Carson and Rebecca, they kept encouraging me to watch this documentary called The Business of Being Born, which talks all about the way the American healthcare system approaches childbirth, you know, using drugs and the emphasis on the rate of cesareans due to time and money, et cetera, et cetera. It basically showcases all of the negative aspects of giving birth in a hospital and highlights the benefits of giving birth with a midwife at home or in a birthing center. So it was my 35th week of my pregnancy and I reluctantly gave in to my fear of watching the documentary because I knew what it was about. And I was just so hesitant to watch it because I knew in the back of my mind that it was going to convince me to want to do a home birth. And that scared the shit out of me. I think mostly because from day one, all the doctors continuously told me how big my baby was going to be. So just the thought of giving birth to a giant baby without access to any drugs or pain relief absolutely terrified me. But after watching the documentary, The Business of Being Born, I realized that that fear instilled in me was kind of just what the system was designed to do. So after weighing the pros and cons of giving birth at home versus giving birth in the hospital, the pros heavily outweighed the cons when it came to home delivery. So I made the choice and didn't look back. And then I quickly began my search for the best midwife in LA because I was on a bit of a time crunch. It was already my 35th week of my pregnancy. And so my doula recommended that I go with this midwife named Abby. Oh, Abby, what an angel. After our first visit together, I was just completely blown away by the amount of information and knowledge she had. Not once with my doctor did I ever feel a fraction of what I felt after meeting with Abby. It was just like the amount of attention and time and care and detail she went into was just absolutely incredible. And I always felt like my doctor's appointments were so rushed and impersonal. So meeting Abby just felt like such a breath of fresh air and I knew I was in the best hands. So after multiple prenatal checkups with Abby, my due date was actually approaching. So I started to get a bit impatient. (laughs) You just start to get so uncomfortable towards the end, as many of you know. And so I did everything I could do to try and naturally induce myself. I ate dates every day. I went on long walks. I bounced on my ball, had lots of sex, got acupuncture and even ate a special salad that is famous here in LA, known for its secret family salad dressing recipe, which I'm sure has castor oil in it. But apparently, if you go and eat this salad, it helps induce women. So like you walk into the cafe and it's a thing here. (laughs) I know it sounds like literally the most LA thing in the world, but you walk into this cafe and on the wall, there's this giant chalkboard that says salad babies. And all of the women who have come in and ordered the salad who have either given birth within 24 to 48 hours after having eaten the salad, they come back and they write their names on the board. There's also a whole entire book that they come in and write their stories. And I thought it was going to work, but no, it didn't work. So (laughs) none of the things worked. So finally, I just surrendered and I gave into the fact that baby was going to come when he was ready. His due date was June 5th, but he decided to arrive eight days later on Sunday, June 13th at 5.54 a.m. 
And I'm such a firm believer that everything happens for a reason because Sunday is my favorite day of the week. It always has been. And 13 is my favorite number. So it was just extra special to me that he made his way into the world on this day. My water broke on June 10th at 11.34 p.m. And I had just fallen asleep and then was quickly woken back up by a pool of warm fluid that completely soaked the sheets. And I just knew that finally he was on his way. My initial reaction to my water breaking was just feeling so nervous because the reality of it all was just starting to set in. You know, for a while before I was just so excited and almost like curious to know what the experience and the pain would feel like. But then once my water broke, I was like, oh my God, I can't. I'm so scared. So to be quite honest, Thursday, the day after his water broke to Saturday mid-morning is all kind of a blur in my mind. The contractions started getting intense around 11.30 a.m. on Saturday. So let's see, my water broke on June 10th. So I basically had an entire day of just being able to go about my normal daily routine, which was nice because, you know, in the movies, they always depict it as like, okay, the woman's water breaks, like she's already basically screaming, let's rush her to the hospital. And no, it doesn't work like that. Like, your water breaks, you still have so much time until you actually start feeling your contractions. So that whole entire day, I actually was able to like clean the house and I got the house all ready for my parents to come in because they were flying in from Maine that night. They were going to be there for the birth, which also kind of made me a little more nervous too. But like I said, it's all kind of a blur, but I'll try and get the story as clear as I can. My contractions started getting intense around 11.30 a.m., on Saturday. So my doula came over and my parents had just flown in the night before. And now it was just a matter of riding out the painful waves of the contractions until it was time to call Abby, my midwife. So the contractions started to intensify and come more and more frequently. And I think the best way to describe how they felt was Basically, the worst cramps imaginable paired with the most excruciating lower back pain possible. And there were a few things that really helped me get through it. So having Josh, especially Josh, my mom or my doula, sometimes two of them at the same time press into my lower back as hard as they could with each contraction. It was basically the only way I was able to get through them. And the shower helped too. It created a lot of relief. But I just remember there was one point when Josh left the room for a second because at this point we all hadn't slept in over 36 hours. And he left because he was starving. None of us had eaten. And he went to go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I felt a contraction coming on and I just was like, Josh, get the fuck back in here. I remember him rushing back in the room, like crumbs still on his face. And then Yeah, it was just his strength that really helped me get through the pain. And then, like I said, the shower. But one thing I really tried to be intentional about was just staying in the zone. Like, I literally don't think I opened my eyes once. I just dropped into a different space in my mind completely. And it was a place I had never been before. Like, it was very dark and scary, but... At the same time, just filled with so much hope and anticipation, knowing that all I had to do was just get through it and I'd see the brightest light I'd ever seen in my life. 
Once the contractions started to become unbearable, my doula made the call to my midwife, Abby, and her amazing team showed up around, I think it was like 9 p.m. on Saturday night. And I knew that once Abby and her assistant, Johanna, showed up, it meant serious business. Until I actually started pushing, the night was a bit of a giant, painful, dark haze in my mind. I remember Johanna checking how dilated I was and telling me I was already at nine centimeters. And I was getting so close, but I just felt like I had no strength left in me to do the actual pushing because I was so exhausted at this point after not sleeping for so long and not eating. And it was just a lot. So once the team inflated the birthing tub, I knew it was time to start pushing. So I started in the bed, which I surprisingly felt much more comfortable in than the birthing tub. The water in the tub, like it felt nice, but I just felt unstable and almost like too buoyant to get any real pushing done. So I made my way back into the bed. And at first I felt like I was pushing all wrong. I wasn't making much progress. And the couple minutes that I had in between each contraction just felt like they could not last long enough. It just gave me a second to rest. And I didn't want that feeling to end. I just felt so weak at that point. After multiple attempts at pushing, I finally kind of figured out a technique that worked and I really honed in on each push. So I was finally starting to make some progress and a tool that really helped me through was using the rebozo. And a rebozo is a traditional Mexican piece of fabric used in many different types of ways during birth. But my midwives used it to aid in leverage for me while I was pushing. So they alternated turns using the long piece of fabric wrapped around their backs and they tied two knots in the end for me to grab onto while I pulled and simultaneously pushed. And they were just both so strong for me. My midwife, Johanna, Abby's assistant, she kept asking me to reach down and feel my baby's head. And she uses this as a technique to motivate you to keep pushing. And at first, I didn't want to do it. And it wasn't until probably like the third time she asked me to do it that I did. And it was just such a surreal feeling. And it did help to motivate me. But at the same time, I was just getting so frustrated because for about I don't know, like an hour and a half straight, every time I pushed, everyone in the room was cheering along and motivating me. But they were saying like, oh my gosh, Cherokee, he's coming on the next push. Like you're so close. And this went on for literally an hour and a half. So in the back of my mind, every push, I was like, okay, it's just going to be one more push and then he's going to be here. But it just kept dragging on and dragging on. It was just the longest hour and a half of my life. And although he was getting close, And everyone could see the top of his head with his tiny little baby hairs. There was still a point I needed to push through in order for him to fully crown. So after trying for about an hour, my midwife and her assistant, Johanna, suggested that I move into a different position to try and get the baby to crown. So they wanted me to move to the toilet, which I remember at the time seemed like it was miles away. I was just so beyond exhausted at this point that the thought of getting up and walking over to the toilet felt like them asking me to run an entire marathon. But I slowly made my way over, or I guess kind of quickly because I didn't have that much time in between my contractions. But I made my way over with the help of Josh and my doula. And after a few pushes on the toilet, his head finally crowned. And so I asked to go back into the bed where I felt more comfortable 
just to do the remainder of the work because now that his head had crowned, I knew that there wasn't much longer until his head was fully out. And I just wanted so badly for it to be done then and there. But the next half an hour, my mind and my body just started to shut down and I knew I needed to get past that breaking point, but he was stuck. And by this time, he had been in the same spot for so long that the midwives had to make the call to tell me that if he didn't come out on the next push, they'd have to perform an episiotomy. And remember how I said before that my eyes were closed the entire time? As soon as they said those words, my eyes shot open. And I just remember Johanna had the scissors in her hand and... (laughs) I just told myself that I will not let this happen. So the very short minute or so I had in between my contraction, I gathered all of my strength, all of my might, and just everything I had in me emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally. And with the next push, his head finally came out. And with the next few pushes, his entire body was out. And oh my God, it was the happiest moment of my entire life, just the most incredible relief and the biggest rush of emotions washed over me when they handed me my baby and I was finally able to feel his skin against mine. It was 5.54 a.m. and I just remember the room slowly began to fill with sunlight as the new day approached. It was Sunday morning and I remember being coherent enough to notice just how peaceful everything felt as soon as they laid him on my chest. I was able to stay relatively calm despite the fact that I had my placenta to deliver still and I was severely hemorrhaging. So even when my midwives told me that they'd possibly have to call an ambulance and rush me to the emergency room because I was losing so much blood, all I felt like I could focus on was just the fact that Hunter was finally here and I had accomplished literally the hardest test my body and mind had ever been put through. I ended up losing twice the amount of blood you need to lose to be considered hemorrhage status. But luckily, Abby and Johanna were able to give me two shots of Pitocin and a suppository to help subside the bleeding. And they also hooked me up to two IVs to kind of replenish all the fluid that I had been losing. And they were able to figure everything out and I didn't have to be rushed to the ER, thank God, because that was the last place on earth I wanted to be. Just thank God for Abby and Johanna. They are actual superheroes. And I couldn't have had a better team behind me the entire time. I just feel so thankful for all of these women who are in the room with me. And then, of course, Josh. And even though I had never been so exhausted in my life, I just felt like I was high on adrenaline and oxytocin and love and joy and relief. And the rest of the day, I just had so much gratitude in my heart for the entire experience and my amazing team. And of course, my beautiful, healthy baby boy who weighed eight pounds exactly eight pounds of pure love. And the first week of having him here earthside was quite surreal, but so blissful. I had my parents in town to help, thank God, because Josh and I had no idea what we were doing. And breastfeeding was a bit of a challenge for me for the first few days, but then my milk finally started to come in. You know, it was stressful, but once it came in, it came in hot and started to flow and I could sigh a huge sigh of relief. I took it really, really easy for the first few weeks after giving birth, especially since I hemorrhaged. 
Oh, also, I forgot to mention that my first meal after giving birth was Shake Shack. Oh, it tasted so damn good. I don't know what it was about it, but I think I was just craving meat <laughs> and salt. So yeah, not gonna lie, the first few months were really challenging in every aspect, mentally, physically, and emotionally. I was barely getting any sleep and my body took a while to heal and recover. I wore adult diapers and bled for about a month after giving birth. It was a lot, but I'm lucky enough to say that I never developed any postpartum depression or anxiety. It was most definitely lonely and isolating majority of the first few months, but I tried my hardest to stay as present and grateful as I could. I've just grown to love Hunter more and more every single day, every single minute, every single second. And I just had no idea it was possible to love someone or something so much. It is just the wildest, most unconditional love in the entire world. And it's just crazy that it's been 14 months with him already. And what they say is so true that it just goes by so fast. And I just feel like we've already done and been through so much together as mother and son. I started working two months postpartum. Hunter and I actually flew to Salt Lake City together to shoot a campaign for a brand I had worked for when I was pregnant with him. And since then, work has just pretty much been nonstop for me, which I am so thankful for. It feels like I'm busier now than before I was pregnant. And it's been a lot of adjusting, especially since we don't have family here to help us. But luckily we found great help, which every family and mother needs. And I couldn't be more grateful for my nanny who comes twice a week. And then on the days I get booked on a job, So it's worked out pretty perfectly and I feel like it's the perfect balance of a work-life flow. You know, I still get to spend so much time with him, which is another great thing about being in the industry. It's not a nine to five job. So the extra time with him has been very special for sure. And like I said, I try and stay super present when I'm with him so I can just soak up every moment of his development and growth because we're at a stage now where he's literally changing every single day and I just don't want to miss out on a second of it. I truly believe that we are given only what we can handle. And I'm so blessed that Hunter is just an absolute angel of a child because Lord knows with my patience, I don't think I could handle anything but an angel. So he's made the transition into motherhood so effortless and seamless because he's just the most lovable creature on this planet. I could literally go on and on about how much I love him, but we'd be here for a while. So Yeah, to conclude this very condensed version of my story, I'm at a point in my life where I just feel so blessed and happy and everything I was always so afraid of has just fallen wayside and life is just more beautiful now than ever now that I'm a mother. I can definitely do another solo episode answering any questions any of you may have because I do feel like I left a lot out. So maybe I'll do an Instagram poll and you guys can write in your specific questions and I'll do an episode to answer all of them. But I guess the biggest things I want to leave you all with is number one, you have to be patient with yourself. Throughout my pregnancy, I was able to adopt the mentality of learning to give myself grace once I gave birth. I told myself that I'd give myself at least the amount of time I was pregnant, which was essentially 10 months. I don't know why they say that it's nine because it's basically 10 months of your life. So pretty much a year. 
to feel confident in my body again. And I think that's one of the best tips you can give to someone after giving birth. There's just so much pressure to get your old body back as quickly as possible. But the truth is, is that when you give birth to your baby, you also give birth to an entirely new version of yourself as well. Nothing will ever be the exact same as it was before. And you have to embrace that and cherish the beautiful vessel that your body is. And again, it's much easier said than done, but trying to release that pressure from yourself to quote unquote snap back, just take it day by day and let your body heal and things will just fall into place. Just take the pressure off yourself. So number two is try your hardest to carve out time for yourself. And I don't always practice what I preach when it comes to this one. It's definitely hard, especially when you don't have family here to help and you have a partner who's busy working all the time. So I have to essentially pay my nanny so I can get some time to myself, which is hard to swallow sometimes, but I can't tell you enough how essential it is to be giving to yourself as much as you can so you're not pouring from an empty cup. I naturally tend to put everyone else's needs before my own. And I think that's a common quality that a lot of women possess. But when you're a mother and you're running on empty, it takes a huge toll on everyone and affects your baby and affects your partner and you in the worst way. So I can't stress enough the importance of taking time for yourself, whether that's taking a nice long shower, taking a walk by yourself, meditating, journaling, or going to get a mani-pedi. Just do what makes you feel good so you can make the people around you feel good. And the third tip I'll leave you with is practice the art of being as present as possible. I think this tip applies to all people in life at any stage, but especially parents. I always thought it was so cliche when people would say, it goes by so fast, but it's so true. And it's easy to get sucked into your busy schedule at work or emails and text messages and social media. But I find it so crucial to set all of that aside and make your child your number one priority when you are in their presence and just give them your undivided attention. So yeah, guys, that's just a little bit about me. And like I said, I'll probably do another solo episode to address all the questions any of you may have. But what you can expect from this podcast is a variety of different guests ranging from mothers, influencers, doctors, models, midwives, doulas, fitness experts, nutritionists, and much, much more speaking on the topics of motherhood, wellness, lifestyle, fitness, nutrition, parenting, beauty, and just all the things to help us all become better versions of ourselves. I could not be more excited to start this journey with you all and create a community of amazing humans. So thank you for joining me and I hope you all are looking forward to future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee Luker is my personal and then at Milf Bod Pod is the podcast Instagram. So feel free to reach out to me on either platform to ask any questions or if you're seeking any help or advice in any area you may feel I can provide value to. But yeah, talk to you all next week with our first guest. It is a surprise, so make sure you stay tuned. And just a reminder for all of you out there to stay mindful, intuitive, and incorporate that fitness into your lifestyle, baby. I'm Cherokee Luker. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you all for listening to the show. 
I hope you gained some insight on how to practice becoming more mindful, learn the importance of listening to your intuition, gain some lifestyle takeaways and fitness tips. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee Luker and the podcast at MILFBODPOD. So make sure you follow me to access exclusive content to help you become a better you, a better mother, and a better human. Talk to you guys next week about all things MILF.